Hey, and welcome back to The Edge Show. This is episode number 137. Uh, 137 of the episodes that we're going through so far. And uh, if you remember last time I was on a little while ago, we had uh, Drew McDaniel coming on talking about a bunch of different things, and he mentioned that he was going to come back and talk about premium storage. Before he comes back with that, I've located uh, one of his colleagues, Canis Kwa, yep. who's coming back here because he actually introduced uh, D-Series machines That's right. uh, from the Azure VM world. Uh, and you're going to talk about uh, servicing updates and maintenance on Azure and That's what right. that means for the regular, everyday IT pro, LANM in, system in folks that actually use Azure every day. So tell me a little bit about what the existing environment's like. Like, what's what are we faced with right now? So, so plan maintenance updates today happen when we need to update the underlying host machine that is hosting all of your virtual machines to mm -hmm. make it more secure, to make it more performant. And um, today, that is a pretty painful process for our customers that they're not able to uh, understand really what happened to their VM mm -hmm. because it just sort of randomly shuts down. And they have no way to find out after the fact that the, the reboot that happened is attributed to that actual plan maintenance update that we did to actually improve the, the performance of those VMs. Okay, so this can kind of translate in the on-premises world as being we're updating and patching the hypervisor yep, uh, box absolutely. itself and, and all the VM guests are unaware of the fact that that's actually happening. Uh, but we know it's happening because we're the admins that are doing it all. Correct. But this is yes. on the much larger, larger scale uh, across all the data centers we're mm -hmm. talking about here in the Azure world. Yep. Okay. So, uh, so what's what's new in that world? Because I, I know I, you know, my VMs that are up there, a lot of them in a lab environment or demo yeah. environments. I don't really care if they kind of go up and down. But other, obviously, for people that run workloads in Azure yep. and workloads up in IaaS, this is a really extremely important. Topic. Definitely, uh, we we hear customer feedback all the time about how uh, painful this process is for them and how we need to really improve and make sure that you know, customers not only are aware of um, the, the kinds of reboots that are happening to their VMs, mm -hmm. but also just to reduce that number of reboots that are actually impacting those customers. So to that end, um, there are a number of um, improvements that were made across the platform to actually reduce the number of reboots mm -hmm. that are impacting these customer VMs. But for the, the set of updates that actually do need to take down that host machine and bring up those VMs again, um, we've made some improvements in order to allow customers to understand whether their VM was rebooted due to a planned maintenance event mm -hmm. and how they can find out that information. Okay. Now, this is obviously complementary to architecting a solution where you design for fault domains, you design for update domains, yep. and stuff like that, try to minimize this as well. Even when that's in place, this is the stuff that happens in the background. Correct. Okay. Yep. So what kind of stuff is, uh, is new that's coming up there right now? Yep. So if you go to your management portal, um, you'll be able to uh, see the, the VM reboot events that happen uh, to your virtual machine. Mm -hmm. If you go to the cloud service that your VM is hosted under and um, just go to the dashboard, there's a new link here that says View Reboot Logs oh, okay. that you can click and you can query for all of the reboot events that happened in a certain time period. And you may notice that there are no reboot logs here. And Yay. that is <laughs> a uh, both a good thing and a bad thing. Okay. We released this feature toward the end of last uh, last year. Okay. And so we actually haven't done a reboot since then across the whole platform. Mm -hmm. um, the next one will be will be coming in a number of weeks or months. 
Um, and at that point in time, those uh, reboot events will be surfaced in, in, this, um, in the portal. And for the, you know, the next round of them that are coming out that happens, uh, obviously you try to minimize these, obviously, because right. it's impactful to everybody. Yeah. Uh, this is also part of just the regular email that would be going out, say, into the servicing going on. Yep. Uh, you, you'll get some notification that's going to be happening in advance besides just finding these logs right now? Right. So okay. you, you'll be able to get customer, customers will be able to um, get emails to their admin um, email account that we have on file, mm -hmm. um, and we'll notify them that a reboot's coming. Okay. And you don't have any actual one to show us what it looks like in this particular demo oh. VM because it's <laughs> such a short period of time? Or? Well, so from our, from our testing, we have been able to create some uh, synthetic events. Okay. And, um, but in a, in, a very, um, in a very artificial sort of way, uh, we, have this, um, we have also an API interface that you can get these results back as well as a um, PowerShell client um, tool mm -hmm. that you can get the same information. Um, this is an example of the API request that you might send. Um, I've done the, the demo in PowerShell, but um, you can do it um, through programmatically. Yeah. And, get, and this is an example of what the response body might look like. Mm -hmm. So you see that you have, you know, your this is the VM that got rebooted, and the re reboot reason is that the virtual machine was rebooted due to a plant maintenance event. Mm -hmm. um, it also tells you when that when that reboot actually happened, and so you can know for sure that the reboot that you identified was actually due to something that the Azure platform was doing rather than your own application. Oh, instance. okay. Yeah. Same thing with the uh, PowerShell demo that you're able to. You're, we have a um, PowerShell commandlet that you can just get these uh, reboot reasons uh, directly from uh, your PowerShell client. Okay, so the Git Azure deployment event uh, and the name of your cloud service and other other particular information will tell you that as well. Yep, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's easy. Um, Wow, that's really easy. I like that. I like that a lot. So I can run that command or other commands uh, against uh, a subset of machines or all the machines yep. on my different accounts, be able to find stuff. And obviously, because it's PowerShell, you can go off and modify this to even go through and format tables, dump exactly. them to CSV files, and be able to massage data in whatever way you want. Uh, Absolutely. And use it whichever way you want. Uh, very cool stuff. And this is available right now. Um, and that. Uh, Little uh, graphical icon inside the the management portal yep. is the visible view of it. If you're not a PowerShell person, yep. Uh, and this basically complements the service notification that you have with the regular email service. Very cool. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, that was Thank easy, you. nice, and, <laughs> nice and painless for for you know whenever someone mentions reboots or servicing, I always kind of get your back up as far as this. But this will go a long way to be able to uh, help our communication for what's going on with the different systems. That's right. Thanks, man. Yeah. We got Drew coming up next. I want to do a quick little swap out. Uh, stay tuned right after the break and bring on Drew McDaniel. And we're back. I promise you we get Drew McDaniel back again. We had him on about a month ago talking about the G-Series machines. Absolutely. And then you promise you're going to give us a more depth conversation around premium storage. Absolutely. Well, Kick it off, my friend. All right. So thank you, Rick. So premium storage. In fact, this is really a set of things we're doing to really scale up on the Azure platform. Mm -hmm. The Azure platform, since the day it was released, really allows for a great scale-out solution. You can keep spinning up multiple VMs. I mean, that's really the power of the cloud. Great. Uh, but for certain customers, they're looking to bring their largest applications to Azure. Uh, and, and one of the things that they're looking to do in that case is actually have higher performance storage. 
And so we want to talk through premium storage, uh, the VMs associated with premium storage. It's actually more than just the storage that's changed fairly dramatically. Uh, this is something that is in preview right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we're taking customers in. We're taking several hundred customers a day, uh, ramping that up. And so uh, we're getting some really great feedback on that. And I really want to give uh, people a, an opportunity to see what we have today uh, so that if you already are using premium storage in the, in the preview, you can play with this. Uh, and if you haven't, then you want to definitely sign up for the preview under the preview features. Uh, and then when you get in, you can actually see some of the, the great things you'll be able to do with premium storage. Okay, so basically whenever you're at the Azure portal or you're, you're working with the Azure website, uh, in case you don't know, you can actually go to preview features and then select this one here. Exactly. Uh, and then basically you're placed on a waiting list. And we're progressing through those right now? We're progressing through the waiting list. We're taking them uh, in the order that they came in. Uh, so we initially started the waiting list beginning of December. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we were taking, like I said, a couple hundred, hundred customers a day as we ramp this up and as we build these out uh, across the, the globe. Uh, currently we have premium storage in our East U.S. East 2 data center, our West U.S. West data center, and our West Europe data center. And then okay. that's going to continue to expand uh, both the capacity there in those locations and around the world as we roll this out uh, further into the preview and towards general availability. Okay, so in, from a, a layperson's perspective, I want to spin up a new machine and have it access to working with premium storage. They have to be inside one of those regions, basically, right? Correct. Okay. So let me let me show you how this actually works in the portal. Yep. Uh, a couple things here. We've actually got two portals up here. So. The portal that people are, are most familiar with is uh, this existing Azure portal. But we also have a new preview portal. And you can get to it a couple ways. Probably the easiest is by selecting uh, your name up here under your name badge. And you can slick, slick, click over to uh, switch to new portal. And that's going to bring you up into this preview portal, preview badge on here. Uh, very slick portal, allows you to uh, configure so I can customize what I see here. I've got the, the service health showing all green check marks, mm -hmm. so meaning all the services are running really well in Azure. Uh, but you can customize. I've added virtual machines. Uh, working in virtual machines, I end up spending a lot of time there. Uh, I've added a marketplace here as well. Uh, so this is a great thing uh, to actually deploy a premium storage. Uh, we're just going to walk through. Similar to the old portal, you actually have the uh, plus button to create something new. Uh, a lot of different options here, as you can see, websites and databases, uh, projects. We both have third-party stuff. For example, New Relic is a third-party uh, offering available. So just a wide variety in the portal now, and will continue to grow. Yeah. Now these guys are, I think we're calling these templates, right? They're basically things that people have built or that we've made available with our partners that are specific to their particular offerings. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so you know, and actually, if we come in here to the everything, it'll take us dr directly to the marketplace. Oh, okay. And here's a slew of templates that you can do. Uh, let me actually just click on the everything. So we've got uh, Docker mm -hmm. uh, for containerization. Uh, you can spin up an IBM database. Uh, even down here, we, you can spin up an entire SharePoint farm right. or DataStacks yeah. um, uh, deployment, all with these templates. Right. Very, very slick. But specifically, we want to kind of dive into the uh, premium storage. Now, with premium storage, actually, here, why don't we click over? We're going to just do a, a Windows Server VM. And this obviously works with any of our guests that we have available. Correct. correct. Premium storage works with here. any of our base operating systems, right. both Windows and Linux. Right. Uh, now, we'll, we'll select one of these. We'll actually start off with 2012 R2. Now, premium storage is, we talk about premium storage, but it's more than just premium storage. In fact, it's, we've changed our storage infrastructure. We've changed the compute infrastructure, so mm -hmm. caching layer, and we'll dig into that. Uh, we've also changed and modified the networking so that you have uh, a low latency between the storage and the compute units. Uh, so there's a pretty massive change through the system. Mm -hmm. And this shows up through multiple different pieces. So if you're uh, creating a machine, 
first come in here and uh, configure the uh, name and pricing tier. And as this loads up, tell you what, why don't we tell you what, why don't we just click and jump in from the, the base here and make sure we can get a good machine running. Yeah. See if this loads up a little faster. There we go. I uh, did mention this is a preview portal, so some things uh, are, and in fact, as we look into to this, there's some things that are uh, still coming online in this, uh, and some things, there's definitely a lot of optimization improving on this. And in fact, if you think about a UI, it really is important to get the, the flows right and the, the, the user model right, and uh, you know, some of the performance will definitely uh, come as we go forward in here. Okay. We're going to let this load, and so I tell you what. So what I've created, I've configured a set of machines already. Yeah. Um, a set of machines here for pre premium storage. So the premium storage VMs are called DS VMs, or the DS series of VMs. And so I've got a couple of DS VMs that I wanted to show you uh, specifically some some interesting things here. Now, when it comes to the VMs. Typically, when you we create a OS disk, and you have a set of data disks. We always recommend putting your uh, data on the data disk. It's right. actually uh, designed for higher performance. Uh, in existing standard storage, we just generally recommend customers to have uh, the default configuration, which is no caching. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just because the performance of the back-end storage system uh, can actually provide more performance than the caching that's based in the original VM size. However, with DS, as I mentioned, we've actually reworked our caching layer. We've re reworked compute. So now caching is much, much more efficient. In fact, one of the reasons why you can only do the premium storage on the D series is that's a series that has SSD. So okay. we, we've built our cache to specifically handle SSD. So when you're looking at provisioning a machine, you, you keep referring to this as a DS machine. It's, like a, it's a D series machine but it's got the S moniker because it has the ability to attach up to premium storage? Yes, it's optimized for the premium okay. storage. So you demystify some of the names sometimes. Exactly. So <laughs> if you're in here, and it's still not loading, but when you click into this pricing tier, yeah. it'll actually show you a set of D1 through 14, okay. and it'll be following that a DS1 through 14. Yeah. The key thing is you need to select West Europe, West US, or East US 2 as one of right. the locations for those sizes to show up mm -hmm. for you. No problem. Okay, so once you have that now, so now with the, the supreme storage, the actual caching is, uh, makes a big difference. Um, read caching is really recommended for things where it would make sense you're going to write something and then read it back. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about like a SQL workload, it's normally your database files. Mm -hmm. The no caching is really optimized for something where you're, you're probably not reading the data. Uh, you're, you're mostly writing. And so like the log files on the database. Okay. And I'll jump into the machine and kind of show you why that makes a difference. So here's our machine, uh, and so what we've got here is a set of disks, as we were, as we were just looking at. Uh, there's one, di uh, scroll up here. So we've got the normal temporary storage, the ephemeral storage. I've got two disks configured for read caching, and I have one dish, disk configured for write caching. Now, you'll notice here these disks are uh, almost a terabyte-sized disk. Mm -hmm. um, with premium storage, the performance of the back-end storage uh, increases as you go into an increased disk size. So we have a P10, is what we're calling it, which is anything up to 128 gigs. Uh, that gives you uh, 500 uh, IOPS per second right. uh, and uh, 100 megabytes per second. And then it goes up, and the terabyte size uh, can deliver up to 5,000 IO operations per second. Okay. So let me show you how we're going to do that. So Iometer is a tool we use here. This is something you can download from iometer.org, a uh, freely available tool. You can use this on Linux. You can use this on Windows. 
Uh, it really allows you to, to control a set of parameters to really see the overall performance of both the caching system and the, the disks back in, mm -hmm. in the back end. So what we're doing here is we're actually going to hit uh, iometer with an E drive, uh, the read cache here, uh, the read cache drive. We're going to hit it with a, a workload that's small I.O., so 8K, uh, KB I.O., 90% read. So we're actually going to leverage the, the caching capability pretty extensively here. So if we kick this off, we're going to start this test, and we'll show you pretty quick. So now we see we've got right around the 5,000 I.O. operations per second, right. as expected. Uh, and we'll notice that the latency, so the latency is the time it takes to send an I.O. operation from the, from the compute machine to the storage and get a response. And so that latency sets around 2 milliseconds for each I.O. to complete. Okay. Now, it's important to think about this, though, that you know, the I.O. operations is I.O.s per second and the latency is the time it takes each I.O. to complete. And so latency really comes into play here if you think about if the latency was 10 milliseconds and you were uh, executing those uh, sequentially, only one at a time, mm -hmm. uh, in, an, in a single second you'd be able to do 100 I.O. operations. Right. That, that uh, 100 times 10 would equal 1,000, which is uh, one second. So the, the response time is critical uh, in a workload. The other thing that's kind of critical here, and, we, and, and this tool allows us to configure, is the number of outstanding I.O. operations. So if you see here, this tool allows us to configure 10 outstanding I.O. operations. And so if your workload is able to issue multiple I.O.s in parallel, uh, then it actually is able to get to a higher number of I.O. operations at 5,000 uh, as compared to being limited. In this case, if we only were doing one at a time, two milliseconds, we'd see about 500 I.O.s okay. uh, done. Uh, going to 10. 5,000. Right. So it is very important that the premium storage is not necessarily complete magic, and it will uh, be a little dependent on the workload uh, and the overall number of I.O. operations that, that you see. I mean, you're just going through some very standard best practices when you're evaluating any kind of a storage subsystem. Like if this was a, an SMB3 share off of a file server or testing a local NAS or a local SAN device, you would still have to kind of go through these types of things as well. Exactly. Same, same thing you'd be dealing with uh, working with the hardware on-premises. Okay. Good to know. Okay, so now, as we saw, uh, the read cache uh, was delivering the 5,000 IOPS uh, in around uh, 1 to 2 milliseconds. Now, let's say we change this up when we're going to do a change the access specification. Instead of doing primarily a read workload, we're going to go to 100% write. Now, at 100% write, we actually see still the 5,000 IOPS, and I'll jump up there. Um, but, oh sorry, the IOPS dropped down. The reason the IOPS dropped down is our latency, our time to complete each operation is about four and a half milliseconds. So it's almost double, it's just over double. Just over double. So it's actually right now, as I've mentioned before, the, the caching is now what makes a difference. So here we're actually doing writes as going into the cache, getting persistent in the cache, and back into the storage and, and coming through. If your workload is, for that specific disk, is primarily writes, and this happens for a database, you have a, typically you have a, uh, a log file that is mm -hmm. your primary writes, and you have your database files and your temp files uh, that are either, temp can be non-persistent on ephemeral storage, but your database files is on uh, persistent storage. Um, but so here we're looking about four and a half. If we were to change this, and we're going to do that same um, access specification, we're going to move this over to the, the no caching drive, here we're going to kick this off, and now we see it's not you know dramatic. It didn't come down to the two milliseconds, um, but now we've we've got about a half to a full millisecond 
uh, of improvement on the write latency uh, moving to the no caching. And so this is why you really want to configure the drives uh, for the appropriate workload. So in the, in the write logs, you definitely want to have it for no caching. And then for the database files, you want to do it for persistent caching. And for the temp, uh, temp drives you, or temp database, you may actually want to use a ephemeral storage. Oh, okay. Okay. So this is showing, you know, on a single machine, a single, single disk, uh, a, a set of different options. Now, what you can do, though, we've also got a machine provision. So here what I've done is I take the same DSVM, it's a DS14, our largest uh, D-series of VM, and I've striped across 20 disks to create one large volume. Now this allows us to aggregate the number of I.O. operations that we're able to get off of the machine. Again, we're going to use the same uh, read, read level operation, the 9% read, and now we're going to hit the system, and now we should see, actually, let me just bring this up in the big dial, so now we're looking at uh, about, oops, we're looking at over 50, almost 50,000 I.O. operations per second across those disks. And you just made a, a storage space as an example on Server 2012 R2. That's exactly uh, That allows right. you to gang all these disks together and make them appear to the OS as if it's a single disk. Correct. Right. And as I mentioned before, so this is, again, workload dependent. I did increase the number of outstanding I.O. operations per second. So, again, your, your mileage will vary. You want to you play with this, put it together with uh, the workload and see, you know, optimize for the number of disks, the number of IOPS. Uh, that you can achieve with, with that specific workload. And then you set the caching option when you create the disk inside the portal or through PowerShell, whether or not it's going to have different characteristics of cache, correct? Correct. You, so you set it when you create the disk. Right. Uh, in, the, in the preview portal, you'll be able to configure that. Uh, you can change it after the fact. Mm -hmm. Currently, that's not showing up in the, pre in the preview portal. You can use PowerShell to change it after the fact. And in fact, you can change it while the VM is running. Okay. Now, so that's really nice. It's a scale up. We can actually get, we're getting some great performance. As I said, we're get, getting a lot of customers in the preview being very, very happy. I mean, this is, you know, considerably better than our, than our general purpose storage that's available today. However, you may want to go bigger. So let's say you want to go larger than that. I did mention that we have uh, the, the big boy, our G series that's recently been introduced. Oh, this is the G5. This is the G5. <laughs> in fact, here we were showing, we've got... 32 physical cores in this machine being surfaced into that, that machine. Uh, this really is the largest VM in the public cloud today. Uh, we've got some competitors that offer a, a VM that has 36 cores, but if you really dig into their, their um, information, it's really 18 cores that are running hyper-threaded, so it's okay. 18 cores masquerading as 36. Yep. Uh, we're not kidding around here. This is 32 physical cores. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also looking at almost a half terabyte of physical RAM. Right. Uh, and then this thing here also has a massive amount of local disk space. And so here what we've got is I've got the temporary storage. Uh, this is over six terabytes of local ephemeral storage that you can use on okay. your machine. So that's the temporary storage. That's, that's the temporary storage. Yeah. If you stripe together for persistent storage, and here I've, I've uh, striped together multiple drives, I'm looking at over 64 terabytes of persistent storage on this. So in case you're wondering, uh, doing the math calculation, remember I did this for a presentation a little while ago, it's 13 cents a minute retail pricing mm -hmm. uh, to be able to run this guy for the G5, but he's got some serious horsepower. Now, uh, so this, uh, this VM is not yet configured for premium storage. It will be shortly. Okay. Um, but what we wanted to show off here is that massive amount of temporary. Not only is it large, the thing is fast. So we've got a uh, configuration here. 
some, here we're going to hit the temporary storage. So it's the local disk that's temporary. It's a seven gig, it's a seven terabyte one or six. Six terabytes, one. yes, yeah. almost seven terabytes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get close to seven terabytes. Uh, so we're doing uh, you know eight small I/O against this, and we'll kick this guy off. And that was a 50% read and random stuff? It's 50% read and write. It's about consistent with an SS, SSD, it, it, uh, the reads versus write. Uh, and we'll bring up the dial tone here. Look at that. We're looking at <laughs> 103,000 IO operations okay. per second running off this thing. So I said, this big boy uh, can really work. It's like, who needs to provision physical hardware anymore with this kind of stuff? This, and and the thing is, you can spin this up on demand as you need it, yeah. run the workloads that you need, and spin them back down. I mean, the cloud is your friend. I, I know that uh, I was having a conversation with a customer that's looking at using something like the G-Series here for doing big, di big data stuff. And the way that they currently do big data is they got to bring the data down to the machine to process it. And so that's where this big six, uh, six and change terabyte drive makes a lot of sense for being able to do a lot of read actions on that. Absolutely. I mean, and that was what we were hearing from customers mm -hmm. that, that need to bring the big data workload to actually process that very, very fast, very efficiently. That's what this thing does for you. Nice. Uh, so provisioning this, you can provision this all through using PowerShell if you want to. Uh, the, uh, you can also use the new portal when the new portal isn't kind of a little uh, hung <laughs> like it is right now, but that's, you know, the par for the course for preview, right? And the G-Series is available on both portals today. Okay. Uh, G-Series also currently deployed in West U.S. and East U.S. too. Okay. Again, that will be rolling out to uh, more locations. G-Series is full GA, and so everybody has access to that. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to sign up and get in line for the G-Series. And a good, that also works both on the Windows platform and Linux platform is no difference for what kind of guest OS you're running. Yeah, the, the G-Series, one specific thing that you want to call out here, um, we didn't talk about here, but the G-Series actually has a much larger uh, network interface card. Yeah. Um, uh, it uses a technology called receive-side scaling, mm -hmm. and so uh, there's a blog post on this, but if you come in and you want to configure the, the, the network interface card, and actually we're going to show you real quick here on how to do this on Windows, to use... Hold on one second. If we look at the network interface card in the adapter settings, you actually have, a, it's, it's a little bit buried in here. As again, there's a, a post on this. Um, receive side scaling. By default, that would be disabled. You oh, want yeah. to enable this. This is a virtualization technique uh, to allow the NIC to do more of the work. Right. Uh, and that will leverage. This thing has a, uh, it can get up to 40 gigabits per second mm -hmm. in the network card. Uh, but you really need to enable receive side scaling. It's a configuration in Windows. Uh, in, in Linux, it's baked into the images. Uh, and at this point in time, all of the most current images for the Linux distributions uh, will have received site scaling right. enabled. And that's the same type of thing you have to do on the Windows physical side of things back in your on-premises environment, exactly. too, if I remember correctly, from my networking days in 2012 yes. uh, and that sort of stuff. Well, that's awesome, man. That's uh, quite a large coverage of swath of stuff for premium storage. Uh, I wasn't aware of the differences between uh, the different implementations of premium storage, the 10, what would you call it, the P10, the P... P10, P20, and P30. Yeah. Uh, so for disks up to 128 gig, uh, is the P10, disks up to 512 gig as uh, a P20, and then all the way up to a terabyte for the P30. And obviously, we didn't talk about this yet, but uh, when you provision this, uh, there will be different costs associated with those as well. We don't know what the cost is yet because it's in preview mode. Correct. Uh, but when it goes GA, there'll be more details about pricing and when it comes final. And the, and the cost do cut, the, the price per gig comes down as you go to a larger store, uh, size disk, as you tend to expect. Okay. And in case you missed it at the very beginning, if you don't currently have access to premium storage right now, uh, there is in preview form a sign up to be able to go to. Uh, and we are working our way through all those. Uh, 
as fast as we can, as, as, able, as, as capacity allows and as uh, support's able to go. Uh, but uh, don't forget to sign up for that, and you will be able to have that activated on your accounts, uh, hopefully in the near future. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate Thank you, you stopping much, by Rick. and, and uh, talking to us about premium storage. It's great to be able to talk a little bit about how we scale, scale this puppy up. It's uh, that G5. I love it, man. That's <laughs> slick. <It's laughs> I absolutely love it uh, from where that is. Uh, what did you guys think about this particular episode? Uh, why don't you leave us a comment down below there if you're interested to let us know how we're doing. Also, maybe suggest some additional topics of uh, future episodes. We're talking about the Azure world, uh, that sort of stuff. I actually happen to maintain a post in case you're interested in all the recent Azure news that happened over the last month or so. You can see that one there at aka.ms slash Azure IT Pro, in case you're interested. Uh, and you can reach us on the Twitters if you're interested. Uh, the Edge Show has the Twitter handle of at sign TN Edge. You can reach me at at sign Rickster CDN. Uh, and if I remember correctly, you guys really follow closely the uh, forums, the uh, forums online for feedback yeah. about different things. Absolutely. The forums uh, and, and various blog posts. Yep. Give us comments. We'll, we'll jump into those and respond. As right. So in case you don't know about that one there, that's simply going off to, if I remember correctly, it's uh, forums.azure.com. And then you guys look after a bunch of different forums, but the main one you look at is the virtual machine virtual forms, machines, absolutely. as an example for some feedback. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll catch you uh, coming up next week. Uh, but uh, with that, I'm going to say adieu and have a good day.